Chapter thirty seven of Dogs and All About Them. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley, Frellsburg, Texas. Dogs and All About Them by Robert Layton. Chapter thirty seven. THE WELSH TERRIER This breed is near akin to the wire-hair fox terrier, the principal differences being merely of color and type. The Welsh terrier is a wire-haired, black or grizzle and tan. The most taking coloring is a jet-black body and back, with deep tan, head, ears, legs, belly, and tail. Several specimens have, however, black foreheads, skulls, ears, and tail, and the black will frequently be seen also extending for a short way down the legs. There must be no black, however, below the hock, and there must be no substantial amount of white anywhere. A dog possessing either of these faults is, according to the recognized standard of the breed, disqualified. Many of the most successful bench winners have nevertheless been possessed of a little white on the chest and even a few hairs of that color on their hind toes, and apparently by the common consent of all the judges of the breed, they have been in no wise handicapped for these blemishes. There are not so many grizzled-colored Welsh terriers now as there used to be. A grizzle and tan never looks so smart as a black and tan but though this is so if the grizzle is of a dark hard color its owner should not be handicapped as against a black and tan if on the contrary it is a washed out bluish looking grizzle a judge is entitled to handicap its possessor apart altogether from the fact that any such color on the back is invariably accompanied by an objectionable light tan on the legs, the whole being a certain sign of a soft, silky, unterrier-like coat. The coat of the Welsh Terrier slightly differs from that of the wire-hair fox terrier in that it is, as a rule, not so abundant and is, in reality, a different class of coat. It is not so broken as is that of the fox terrier, and is generally a smoother, shorter coat, with the hairs very close together. When accompanied with this, there is a dense undercoat. One has, for a terrier used to work a good deal in water, an ideal covering, as waterproof almost as the feathers on a duck's back. The other difference between the fox and Welsh terrier, viz. type, is very hard to define. To anyone who really understands Welsh terriers, the selection of those of proper type from those of wrong type presents little, if any, difficulty. As a show bench exhibit, the Welsh terrier is not more than twenty-two years old. He has, however, resided in Wales for centuries. There is no doubt that he is in reality identical 
with the old black-and-tan wire-haired dog which was england's first terrier and which has taken such a prominent part in the production and evolution of all the other varieties of the sporting terrier there are several people living in or about carnarvonshire who can show that welsh terriers have been kept by their ancestors from at any rate a hundred to two hundred years ago notable among these is the present master of the innisfor otterhounds whose great-grandfather john jones of innisfor owned welsh terriers in or about the year seventeen sixty this pack of otterhounds has always been kept by the jones of innisfor who have always worked and still work welsh terriers with them from this strain some good terriers have sprung and this although neither the present master nor any of his ancestors have concerned themselves greatly about the looks of their terriers or kept anything but a head record of their pedigrees they are all however pure-bred and are set much store on by their owner and his family just as they always have been by their predecessors until about the year eighteen eighty four no one seems to have considered the question of putting specimens of the breed on the show bench about that year however several gentlemen interested in the variety met together to see what could be done in connection with the matter the outcome being that the welsh terrier club was shortly afterwards founded the kennel club recognized the breed and the terrier himself began his career as a show dog the specimens which were first shown were as may be imagined not a very high class looking lot although the breed had been kept pure no care had been taken in the culture of it except that which was necessary to produce a sporting game terrier able to do its work one can readily understand therefore that such an entirely fancy point as a long foreface and narrow clean skull had never been thought of for a moment and it was in these particulars that the welsh terrier at first failed from a show point of view naturally enough good shoulders sound hindquarters more than fair legs and feet and excellent jackets were to be found in abundance but as the body was almost invariably surmounted by a very short and wedge-shaped head and jaw often accompanied with a pair of heavy round ears an undershot mouth and a light full eye it will be realized that the general appearance of the dog was not prepossessing the welsh terrier to-day is very much improved beyond what he was when first put on the bench this improvement has been brought about by careful and judicious breeding from nothing but pure-bred specimens no outside aid has been invoked at any rate in the production of any of the best terriers and none has been required it is a matter of great congratulation that the breed 
has been kept pure despite all temptation and exhortation. The Welsh Terrier breeds as true as steel. You know what you are going to get. Had popular clamor had its way years ago, goodness only knows what monstrosities would now be being bred. The color of the Welsh Terrier is, of course, against him for working with a pack of hounds, especially in water. It is only fair, however, to the breed to say that, barring this color drawback, there is no better terrier to hounds living. They are not quarrelsome, show very little jealousy one of another in working, can therefore easily be used, exercised, and kenneled together, being much better in this respect than any of the other breeds of terriers. They also, as a general rule, are dead game. They want a bit of rousing, and are not so flashily, showily game as, say, the fox terrier. But, just as with humans, when it comes to real business, when the talking game is played out, and there is nothing left but the doing part of the business, then one's experience invariably is that the quiet man, the quiet terrier, is the animal wanted. On the formation of the Welsh Terrier Club, a standard of perfection was drawn up and circulated with the club rules. This standard has remained unchanged up to the present day, and is as follows. Head The skull should be flat and rather wider between the ears than the wire-hair fox terrier. The jaw should be powerful, clean-cut, rather deeper and more punishing, giving the head a more masculine appearance than that usually seen in a fox terrier. The stop, not too defined, fair length from stop to end of nose, the latter being of a black color. Ears. The ears should be V-shaped, small, not too thin, set on fairly high, carried forward and close to the cheek. Eyes. The eyes should be small, not being too deeply set in or protruding out of skull, of a dark hazel color, expressive and indicating abundant pluck. Neck. The neck should be of moderate length and thickness, slightly arched and sloping gracefully into the shoulders. Body. The back should be short and well ribbed up, the loin strong, good depth, and moderate width of chest. The shoulders should be long, sloping, and well set back. The hindquarters should be strong, thighs muscular and of good length, with the hocks moderately straight, well set down, and fair amount of bone. The stern should be set on moderately high, but not too gaily carried. Legs and feet. The legs should be straight and muscular, possessing fair amount of bone, with upright and powerful pasterns. The feet 
should be small, round, and cat-like. Coat. The coat should be wiry, hard, very close, and abundant. Color. The color should be black and tan, or black grizzle and tan, free from black penciling on toes. Size. The height at shoulders should be 15 inches for dogs, bitches proportionately less. 20 pounds shall be considered a fair average weight in working condition, but this may vary a pound or so either way. Disqualifying Points Nose White, cherry, or spotted to a considerable extent with either of these colors. Ears Prick, tulip, or rose. Undershot jaw or pig-jawed mouth. Black below hocks, or white anywhere to any appreciable extent. Black penciling on toes. End of chapter 37